Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. That, folks, is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Let me read that one more time. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Today's show, we're going to talk about gratitude. What does it mean to be grateful? How do we do that in our lives? And what is it that's going on? Well, welcome to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Always a pleasure to be here at the clinic uh, with our listeners. Um, and let's get started today uh, here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus in our prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, that grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Well, hello out there to all of our listeners. You know, this topic of gratefulness is an interesting one because uh, it can be hard. It can be hard to be grateful. It can be hard to remember to be grateful. And why is that? Because how am I supposed to be grateful for bad things? How am I supposed to be grateful when there's so much stress in my life? How am I supposed to be grateful when things are not going my way? Or even more importantly, how many of our listeners feel this way? And I know I felt this way before. How am I supposed to be grateful when it feels like God isn't even working in my life? It can feel that way. But let's listen to that, to that Bible verse that I picked out again. Let's listen to it one more time. Again, it's coming from uh, the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 18. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Notice something, I picked that quote in particular, we're going to be going through a lot of different quotes on being grateful, um, and how that applies not only in our lives, but in our in our well-being, in our getting better, in our improving um, from places of darkness, whether it be physical darkness, if anybody's experiencing that they need physical healing or they're experiencing uh, health issues in the physical realm, spiritual uh, health, right? Because we're obviously taking things from the Bible and uh, really that's what the crux is going to come down to. But mental health is an important one because 
that's where it happens, folks. That's where our thoughts is what is a driving force for us. And if we believe something, we can make it come true, right? We, sometimes have you ever heard of what's called a self-fulfilling prophecy? And this is where the gratitude comes in and being grateful comes in because I want to actually fulfill something positive in my life. But if I keep it negative, I might bring some of that on me too. But let's look at this. This says, be thankful in all circumstances, all circumstances. So Dr. Sandoval, obviously, if something, if, you know, if I just won a little bit of money in the lottery or a lot of money in the lottery, boy, I'm going to be thankful, right? Because that's going to bring me some positivity in my life. And there's no, no doubt about that. Um, money, I'm not saying money is uh, evil. We say money is the root of all evil. Notice that it's the, at the root of all evil, but money is an important tool in our lives. And if all of a sudden I, we were to win the lottery, boy, we'd feel a lot happier about that. Why? Because all of a sudden some financial things would be taken care of. But let's look at this though. It says all circumstances. So I win the lottery. I take care of my finances. Maybe you, let's just pretend you win so much money that you pay off your house or heck you buy a new house. You, 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 even, you have so much money. You can forget about the house you're in right now. Uh, and you can go and get yourself a nice, bigger, better house. You go get yourself a new car. You walk away from everything you have and you go off to this much better place. But did that money improve your relationship with your spouse? Did it improve your relationship with your children? Did it make you a better person? It might've made you a less stressed person financially, but remember we're more than just physical beings, right? So did it buy me good health? Did all of a sudden it cure me from my chronic illness? Let's say somebody's suffering from you know, hypertension and they've got high blood pressure and they've had it their whole lives. Running the lottery might not change that. Now it might put us in a place where we're a little bit more relaxed and help improve that, but it might not change that. Or let's say somebody unfortunately gets cancer. You know, you might have a lot more money for treatment, but is it going to get rid of that cancer? We don't know. Now, <clears throat> let's say that we find ourselves in that situation where all of a sudden, you know, something like that happens where we end up with a cancer, we end up with an illness and it's not going to go away. How am I supposed to be grateful at that moment? I think this uh, Bible verse tells us this in the next uh, part of it. So it says, be thankful in all circumstances, all circumstances, no matter what's going on. And the next part says, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. God's will for you. Meaning that at this point, this is where we have to take that step back. We have to take the blinders off and we have to look at how do I know what I'm grateful for? I need to understand something very, very important. This is what's going to get rid of our anxieties. This is what's going to get rid of our depressions. This is what's going to get rid of us feeling like we really need something outside of ourselves to fulfill ourselves. This is the part it says, for this is God's will for you. I think gratitude really comes down to recognizing that God, one, God is working in our lives. So at all times, whether things are apparently going bad, what we think is going bad or things are going well for us, but if this is God's will for me, I'm always going to be happy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I might say, you know what? I don't understand exactly what's happening here. I don't know why this is happening. It doesn't feel good. It does not feel good right now. If it doesn't feel good, if it feels great, it's easy. If it feels great, it's easy to say, yes, this is God's will for me because, well, I told God what my will was for me and his will is aligned with mine. Uh, and therefore think good things are happening. So that's pretty good. It feels easy. And I can be very thankful for that. But I think then then we reversed it, right? We've said God is following my will and therefore I'm happy. But if I think, well, no, God's in charge. God's will has to come first. It doesn't feel good right now, but this is God's will for me. God wants me to go through this trial. I'm not sure why. Well, I got to be thankful. I got to be thankful to, to God because I might see things down the road. I might not see it right now, 
but I might see it down the road and it's going to be to his glory. In this world, folks, it's very easy to say my glory, right? How am I going to get more famous? How am I going to be known? How am I going to get out there? It's it's hard to be humble when uh, all of a sudden in this world, it seems like the only thing that matters is how many views you got on on your individual uh, you know video that you put online because you're selling. I don't know. Take your pick. Uh, you know, you're selling something like mugs, or you're selling something like um, uh, a new product, or something that you think people want. How many times do I see? You know, my kids are looking at. All of a sudden, they're getting older and they're looking at makeup, and they got all these people saying, "Hey, you got to buy this makeup or something." Um, you know, how many times do people get famous based on that? And that's what's important to them. This is where it gets hard in terms of the gratitude. Well, where are you going with this, Dr. Sandoval? Where I'm going with this is this. You know, when are we thankful for where we're at, what we have, and the fact that we may never be known in this world? And I think that that's the most important part. I think that sometimes we feel so small that we feel like nobody cares about me. The world doesn't care about me. But we got to remember the last part of this verse. I thought this verse, it was very short, but I thought it was very, very rich uh, in what it says. The very last part of this verse was, for you who belong to Jesus Christ. This is God's will. You belong to Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. So let's back up a little bit. Let's look at a few other verses because I want to come back to that verse towards the end um, and see how this plays out in your own life and what this means. So there's another uh, gratitude verse. So it says, uh, this is from Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 57. And it says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God because he gives us the victory. At the end of the day, the, we're going to be victorious with Christ. He's going to give us that. God's going to give us that victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what we're going through, actually. It, what matters is, are we able to, in the midst of our pain, offer everything to Christ? Are we able to, in the midst of our sorrow, offer things to Christ? It's hard to do. At the end of the show, we're going to talk about a few uh, ways that we're going to do this. Uh, we'll talk about it in the in the final section. But this came to mind to me because I've had a few patients that I've, I've spoken to recently and they were in a really, really hard place. Um, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know how to uh, move forward in their life because there was a lot, it seemed to be a lot of bad things happening for them. And they were wondering to the point literally where they were wondering, is this a diabolical uh, affliction in my life? Is this something that is hurting me um, because it's bringing me down because all of a sudden the enemy is trying to bring me down? Uh, and we had to explore that. We had to look at that, but we also had to look at the fact that we can't forget that God is working in our lives. Let's look a few of the, look at a few of these more uh, more of these quotes of these Bible verses because these are important before we talk about what was going on in, in terms of my patients and their their need for therapy. Um, this was for Ephesians, Ephesians uh, chapter one verse sixteen. That's Ephesians chapter one verse sixteen. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Saint Paul, of course. Uh, is telling us, you know, he's never, he's, he's the one who tells us to pray without ceasing. He's not stopped giving thanks to God and always remembering uh, um, people in his prayers. In Isaiah, this one's very, very important. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now that one's important because at the end of the day, this is what's happening. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I think sometimes God gives us these trials, these tribulations, to remind us that don't get too comfortable in this world because this is not where you belong. And don't put your faith in worldly things. I am your God. 
sometimes the tribulations help us actually pray more and be more grateful to God. More on gratitude when we come back from the break. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we are talking about gratitude and how to be grateful even in the midst of dismay, even in the midst of despair. Not easy to do, folks. Not easy to do at all. You know, in today's society, we're so worried about different things and about uh, feeling like we're not going to win. You know, the, uh, the world is against us. And it feels like it's something new sometimes because something new will come up. Something new comes up in terms of, you know, what's going on in the world, what's going on in the news, what's going on in our lives, what decisions do we have to make? But you know what? It's been like that from the beginning of time. It's been like that ever since uh, um, God created the earth. Um, more more specifically, it's been like that ever since, you know, the devil brought in uh, evil, you know, and introduced it into into what God's perfect creation. Um, there's always going to be chaos because there's always going to be this eternal battle um, between good and evil. Uh, and, you know, when we're on the side of good, it's always going to feel like there's darkness. You notice when we watch movies, when good defeats evil, regardless of which movie you watch, whether it be something like a, a Star Wars or or something, you know, where there's an epic battle, if you you know look at the Lord of the Rings, um, it feels like one. There's always a sense of mission, right? And the good guys have to fight this uh, the evil powers, which are much better equipped, it seems, which have all the technology, which have all the troops, which have all what it appears to be all the power, um, and then somehow. Out of a simple act of humility, out of a simple act of a change of heart, something very small um, and through through cooperation and working with each other, it seems like the rebellious side, the good side, the 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 side that called themselves the rebel in Star Wars, or if you look at the Fellowship of the Rings um, in, in Tolkien's story, um, the good side prevails. But it's not without hardship and it's not without surmounting obstacles that they don't understand. You know, they have to get through treacherous uh, missions. They have to get through missions where we lose loved ones, where people have to die in order for uh, the evil to be conquered. Uh, very Christ-like in that way when we see these stories uh, where there has to be some kind of a death in order for good to be victorious. But does that mean that we have to die in our lives? No, but I know that a lot of my patients experience death in the lives. A lot of my patients experience death in different ways too. We always think about physical death. We always think about, oh, somebody's in the hospital and they're dying on their on their deathbed. But the reality is sometimes we have to die to different things. We have to die to uh, the reality that, you know what? My loved one might not get better mentally. They're going through a mental illness and the the reality is I have to mourn the idea that they're going to be, you know, this person who can function in society as we say normally. I don't like to use the word normally, but you know what I mean in terms of uh, people being able to have a job and, and move forward and have a family. And we're looking for that magic pill or that treatment or the therapy, or we're hoping somebody will be able to say something to them and they're going to say, oh, yes, I'm going to make my life so much better and I'm going to realize these things in my brain. And sometimes it just doesn't work that way. And that can be really hard. That's kind of a death that we have to accept where we say, gosh, I wish that my family member were going to be this much better. But the reality is they're not. They're going to, uh, somebody's going to have to walk with them through life in order to help guide them. That's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to accept. Well, let me read that quote one more time that I read before the break, uh, because I think it's a very powerful quote. It comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I think God is always trying to remind us, I am your God, not illness. Don't focus on the illness. Don't let that dismay you. He says, be not dismayed, um, for I am your God. I am in charge. You know, we forget about these things and, and um, we forget how powerful God is sometimes. It's easy. And I say we, you know, I think of my own life. Um, I forget sometimes that God is in charge. God is still working. And we see this. We see that we want the extreme miracles. We want to go to Fatima or Lourdes or one of these holy places. And we do a pilgrimage to the Holy Land or something. And we hear about these miracles happening. We hear about people being able to walk. But is that good enough for me or do I need more in my life? We hear about these things happening, these things that are really amazing. But is that enough for me to change, to not have, uh, not fall into, into sin from temptations or things of that nature? Well, that can be really hard. I think when we start looking at gratitude and we're again, towards the end of the show, we're going to talk, we're going to give some tips on how we can be more grateful or how we can open our eyes to gratitude, uh, and change our life in that way. Put God first in our lives. Um, and we could do that. I think that's when we're going to start to find some peace, but let's look at this. I mean, I have a, a patient I was talking to you, to our, our folks here about, um, there's a lady who was in her forties or who is in her forties, uh, late forties now. Um, but she had an interesting situation where, you know, she started having a family and she got married and she had a couple of kids and they were, they were boys. Um, and then she widowed and she married again. And she had a third son actually from, from her new marriage. Uh, you know, very nice lady, very holy lady, uh, felt like she always wanted to follow Christ in her heart. And, um, you know, she tried try to do, as we say, all the right things, you know, in terms of prayers and keeping a, a sacramental life and things of that nature. Um, people would say, wow, you know, this is, this is a holy person, no, no issues in their lives. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, she started noticing as her boys got older, this is how I met her. Um, they all started suffering from mental illness. And they all seemed to suffer from the same mental illness. It was like a schizophrenia bipolar. Uh, for the most part, the diagnosis for uh, those of you who know the technicalities would be schizoaffective bipolar type, meaning that for the most part, they had symptoms of schizophrenia. Obviously, they had some psychosis, some hallucinations, some delusions. They imagined different things in life. But they would also go through manic episodes where they just weren't thinking clearly even more so. And they would either start to get very hyper. They would go out. Uh, you know, these manic episodes, they subside as they usually do. But then the psychosis remains. And that's how we get to the diagnosis of schizoaffective, meaning that there's a schizophrenia component um, where there's delusions, hallucinations, and the bipolar type, schizoaffective bipolar type, bipolar type meaning there's going to be episodes uh, not just of depression, but of mania uh, wrapped in there, kind of sprinkled in there throughout, but the psychosis per persists. Now, the interesting thing was her oldest son suffered from this, and so she got him help. Uh, you know, he was probably in his late teens at that time. I never treated him directly. Uh, I treated the second son, but uh, <clears throat> he was probably in his late teens. And for guys, you know, this develops. The, the symptoms can start to develop anywhere between 15 to 25 years old. We call that a first break. So we can say that they had a first break psychosis, or they can have an initial manic episode. Um, and that's where uh, we start to see the, the mental illness and, and what we need to treat. Well, interestingly enough, you know, oldest son apparently became uh, or started to experience some of the psychosis when he was in his late teens, early 20s. And then I met the uh, the second oldest son and he was in his early 20s um, when he started to experience this. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, you know, it was the same symptoms and we were treating him. He did okay, you know, overall okay when, when they were on their medication and uh, kind of could survive. 
uh, throughout the world. In fact, was able to get jobs and things of that nature. Nothing high tech, you know, they were getting jobs in the clerical positions or things like that, which are fine positions to get. Um, <clears throat> but the challenging part here was, even though they got these positions, something would always happen. They just weren't able to keep the job for whatever reason. There would either be a resurgence of the symptoms uh, in spite of being treated medically, or they would start to feel like, you know, I'm doing okay. I don't need this medication anymore. And they'd stop taking it. Um, you know, and it, very, very common. Uh, anybody who's had a relative who suffers from mental illness knows that this happens all the time. Sometimes, uh, you know, people start to feel good and they say, why should I keep taking this medication? I don't think I need it anymore. I'm doing pretty good. I feel good. Let's get rid of it. Okay. And all of a sudden they stop the medication and what happens? Symptoms are going to come back, right? For the most part. Now there's some people who, uh, if you just suffer from, from a straight depression or anxiety, that's possible. You know, you take your medication for some period of time, you stop it and it seems like the brain took over and, and can control the symptoms well. But usually when it comes to psychosis, bipolar, that's a little bit harder. It's a little bit harder to say that we're going to take something and it's going to control it um, completely. <clears throat> for the most part, these are chronic conditions. Well, anyway, interestingly enough, uh, she shares with me later on that her third son, who keep in mind is from a different spouse now, remember she widowed, she remarried, uh, he starts to experience these symptoms as well. And she says, what's going on, you know? And I said, well, now we got to look at something that's much more interesting because uh, initially I thought, well, you know, your first marriage, I don't know where the, your son's got these illnesses from. My guess is that it's genetic right? Because all of a sudden you have two children who have the same condition. It's coming from somewhere. Um, now, a lot of times we wonder, is it nature or nurture? Uh, is it, did this happen because, you know, this is the environment they grew up in and it caused a psychosis? Or, you know, had they been born on this perfect uh, island with no problems and a peaceful paradise? Would they have ever experienced psychosis? We don't know. There, that that doesn't exist for most of us, right? We live in a world where we're going to experience stressors and anxieties and different, as we say, triggers uh, that can elicit uh, mental illness or, or if there is a genetic component and all of a sudden can bring that up. Well, either, either way, interestingly enough, so both of these sons ended up with this and I told her, you know, there might be a genetic component to this because um, it could have been you, it could have been your, your first husband. But when she told me about the third son, I said, well, there's definitely a genetic component. All three kids that you've, that you've given birth to have the exact same mental illness uh, symptoms, but the common denominator, unfortunately, is, is, is this patient. And I said, so my guess is that it's coming from your side of the family. Now, you know, you don't necessarily suffer from mental illness yourself, uh, you know, other than the basics of worries in life or anxieties, but, but nothing major, nothing treatable. And I said, well, what's going on in your family? Like your parents, do they suffer from anything? And she tells me, you know, interestingly enough, all the men in my family seem to have something says my uncle, my dad, they all had something. And I said, well, this sounds to me like there's something genetic going on that's passed down through the male line, you know, and it might be passed on from the mom to the males. We don't know. I'd have to get the whole family tree, the whole, the whole, uh, uh history there and see where's this coming from. So you can do a genetic mapping, right. And say, well, where, how is this being passed on? Is it from male to male? Is it only from female to male? Um, because it is possible. It is possible to have something like color blindness. We know that that can be passed on from the moms to the sons, right? Much more common in males, color blindness. And it usually comes from the mom side uh, of the family. It's come from the maternal genes. Um, well, this can happen too, apparently, you know, in this case, I was thinking something along those lines, you know, 
And she said, you know, I'm just really frustrated. You know, why is this happening? I don't understand this. Try to live a, a, a good Christian life. Try to live a sacramental life. And I have no idea why it is that this keeps getting passed on and why this is in my family, you know? And, um, uh, it was very frustrating. The person felt like they just couldn't move on in life. They started to feel like they couldn't trust God really was the bottom line because, you know, and we've been there. I, I can't blame somebody for feeling that way. These are our feelings. It's got almost the feelings I equate to almost like a temptation. You know, if somebody has a temptation, does that mean that they sinned? No, they didn't sin. It means that we have a thought and inclination, a desire for something that we know is going to keep us from God. So that's just a temptation. The question is, what do we do about that? How do we act on that? Or do we act on that? You know, it's the same thing where we have a feeling. If I have a feeling where I'm angry towards somebody or I'm I'm frustrated, whether it be to with another person or with God, um, who is a person, right? Who is who's our maker? And if we have a real relationship with God, I don't tell anybody not to feel angry at God. In fact, when people say, you know, uh, Doctor Sandoval, I'm really angry with God. And I say, okay. That's good. You're angry at God. You have an emotion towards God, which tells me a few things that can be very, very positive. This is where we start got to look at the positive side of things. Um, one, you recognize that God is there. Two, you're angry at God because that means you have a relationship with God and you have an expectation of God that you feel he's not meeting uh, in your life. Why is that a good thing, Dr. Sandoval? How is that? Shouldn't I be more humble? Well, yeah, sort of. Um, in a way, I don't think that that takes away the humility. It's kind of like being angry at a parent, right? When I'm angry at my parent, it doesn't mean that I don't love my parents. It means that I have a real relationship with them and I have a true emotion with them. The question, oh, there's the music. We're going to have to come back from the break. And we're going to answer the question as to what does this mean, though? If I'm angry with God, am I already sinning? Mm, not necessarily. We're going to have to look at that when we come back from the break. But we're also going to look at, remember down the line on the show, what can we do to be more grateful in our lives in a sincere manner? More when we come back from the break. All right, folks. So welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to email me at doctor, that's dr. Sandoval, S-A-N-D-O-V-A-L, uh, V-M-P-R, at gmail.com. Always good to hear from our listeners. Um, and any questions you might have or any just comments you might want to do or you just want to chat, that's always fun. Um, today we're talking about gratitude, but really gratitude, we, it's easy to talk about in certain, in terms of, you know, we have to be thankful and we always give thanks to God. And, you know, these are all great things. And I think that that's wonderful, um, to think of it that way and, and to always just have a very simplistic view of it. But then the reality sets in for, for some of us where we say, gosh, what if I'm angry at God? Am I sinning by being angry at God? Am I, am I, uh, um, you know, in a bad place? How can I be grateful to God? Um, I'm, I'm not happy with God right now. Is that a sin to not be happy with God? Well, it all depends. I don't think it's necessarily a sin. I think we have to look at what degree uh, of anger we have towards God. And really the more important question is, what do we do with that anger? Really? Because I think it's perfectly fine. I tell my patients, it's okay to be angry with God because that means that you have a real relationship with God. I can't say I've never been angry uh, with my wife. I can't say it's always been, you know, peachy keen and we're always in this paradise way. No, we have a real relationship. We're happy sometimes. You get angry sometimes. Something bothers you sometimes. The question is, what do I do about it? If I get angry with my wife or my kids or something, do I say, oh, that's it. I'm walking out. I'm leaving. There's the front door. I'm angry. I'm done. Um, then we got a problem, right? Because... I have a sacramental obligation to be in that house and to to uh, 
be there with my wife and I can't just break off that sacrament. I can't just divorce her because all of a sudden I'm angry with her. Um, I think that that's the same thing that in terms of our relationship with God, I don't think God minds us being angry because uh, he's like, okay, you're angry, but what are we going to do about it? Are we going to talk about it? Are we going to hash things out? You know, as guys in the playground, I remember being kids and, um, you know, sometimes guys get angry at each other. You're playing a, a game of football or something and things get heated and get aggressive and you have a disagreement and you start punching each other and all of a sudden you're on the ground rolling around and, and what's going on? Oh my gosh, they're fighting. Normally what would happen is, yeah, they duked it out. But I remember sometimes as, as kids, if we duked it out that way, guess what happened afterwards? You know, yeah, we'd go to the principal's office, we'd get in trouble. But then all of a sudden there was some kind of a respect. You know, there, those guys, they would come back and, and talk about it and say, yeah, man, we went through something there, huh? And all of a sudden they became friends. You know, it's, it's interesting how that can happen um, where all of a sudden our, our friendship, our bonds become stronger after we've wrestled with something, after we've wrestled with each other emotionally. Now, keep in mind, you're saying, well, how can that be any good? You know, am I supposed to punch God or something? No, you're supposed to wrestle with our emotions with them, though. I think that having that honesty and saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of upset right now and I don't know why and I'm trying to figure this out. That's actually a good thing because in relationships, that's a very healthy thing because it means I'm trying to figure out what's going on inside of me and I'm trying to see how that relates to what's going on inside of you, God, which means that I'm actually trying to understand you better, God. Um, and that's the wrestling part. Otherwise, I could just say, you know what? I don't care what's going on inside of you, God. I'm just going to go figure things out for myself. And and that's a problem. Now that we get into the into the realm of sin, um, because now we're separating ourselves from God because we don't feel good. There's a big difference there between saying I'm angry and I want to figure this out versus, you know what? I'm just going to give up because God's never given up on us. God's going to be angry with us too, right? When we do step away, he can be angry because as they tell us in the Bible, God is a jealous God um, and we, he deserves our praise at all times. Um, so interesting. Let's get back to this patient uh, who I was talking about before the break. Um, it was interesting because in her life, she didn't know how to reconcile this. She didn't know how to say, you know, God, what's going on with this? Why is it that all my kids end up this way? Why is it that all of them end up with this mental illness? And now all of a sudden, I'm not exactly sure how to take care of them because as they get older, you know, they do okay when they're on their medication. They just kind of do all right. But what's happening now? What's going to happen as they have to be on their own and I'm not going to be around? Because right now I feel like I'm the one who's keeping them together. I'm the one who's who's making sure that, you know, they're surviving every day, even though they are older, even though they should be independent, as we say, you know, at well, now that they're in their late 20s and early 30s, um, they should be able to, you know, lead their own lives. How do I know that they're going to be able to survive in this world? Um, and I think that as a parent, that's a, a sign that one, we feel uh, vindicator. We feel like we did right by our kids, right? Our kids are independent. They can take care of themselves. I did some good parenting there. We take the credit for that. Um, but when things don't go well, all of a sudden it's like, God, what's going to happen? And that can be kind of scary, right? That can be scary. And I, I've talked to patients in different circumstances. Uh, this, is, this one just happened to be a patient who had their kids with mental illness. But I've talked to patients with uh, kids who were born with cerebral palsy or mental retardation or something along those lines where they realize this kid from the start already knew that they weren't going to be able to survive in this world without me there for them, without somebody guiding them and holding their hand um, and really caring for them. There's a lot of fear that goes into that because as parents, 
you know, we know our kids well, and, and this parent has gotten to know their child who has a developmental disability, know their quirks, know what makes them, you know, upset or know what calms them down and know how to do it. And they know that the child has really bonded to them and, and relies on them. That's a big heavy duty responsibility. And then there's that fear of what's going to happen to my son, my daughter, when they're older, who's going to be there to really uh, get to know them the way I have? Who's going to take care of them in a way that I, I would hope that they're going to be gentle with them, that they're not going to get abused, that somebody's going to be patient with them, that somebody's going to un- take the time to understand what their quirks are. Those can be very, very scary situations. And we wonder, how can I be grateful uh, to God when this happens? That can be very, very challenging. Um, but in this case, let's see what happened. So as this patient moved on, um, you know, got got to look at these kids, got to look at, I've got three kids with this illness. This is happening in my family. This is happening uh, to all the men in my family. And I wonder, is this some kind of a curse? Is this some kind of a uh, generational curse is really what we started talking about. You know, is there something that needs to be exercised here? Is there something that needs to be delivered? Um, And, you know, being in deliverance ministry myself, I don't discount any of that because I always say we're body, mind, spirit, right? And if we're going to think like Catholics to live like Catholics so we can be Catholic, we have to understand that's what the church teaches us, that there is this spiritual realm that can influence our lives. And sometimes if there's something spiritually amiss, uh, something spiritually going on that's not right, it can show itself in the physical realm. It can show itself in illness. How many times have we heard of different saints or different miracles where, you know, people were afflicted by a tumor and all of a sudden they have deliverance prayers uh, said over them. They have an exorcism. They have something along those lines. And all of a sudden they're healed. The tumor's gone. We can say that they were diabolically afflicted. If you ever listened to Father Ripperger's talks, he'll talk about that. He'll talk about how he's had deliverance prayers said over people and they were uh, suffering from physical ailments, from medical illnesses, uh, illnesses of the body or different organs, and they pray over them and all of a sudden they just get better. You know, and how do you explain that? The only way to explain that is through the eyes of faith. And that's where it's going to be really important here. The eyes of faith, we say that very simply, and we say it as though it's a passing thing. And sometimes we always talk about prayer in a very simple fashion, like, oh, yeah, we should pray. You know, we talk about it, but we really don't, I think, always grasp the power behind that or what's happening there, because this is where we're aligning ourselves with God. You know, for this particular patient, we had to look at how do we be, how can we be grateful in this particular situation? Got three sons who aren't doing well, got a family who um, it seems like the, the all the men in the family have this situation. I can look at it from a very scientific perspective and say, well, look, this is genetics. This is just how it works. We pass our genes on. We know this is true. We know that there's families where they say, yeah, you know, this runs in my family, right? Oh yeah, heart issues run in my family. Everybody, everybody dies of heart attacks in my family. Um, you know, or people can say, oh yeah, diabetes runs in my family or high blood pressure runs in my family. You know, we talk about these things and we know that, gosh, tell the kids to be careful because if this was what runs in the family, we pass this on. Well, do we pass on our spiritual uh, ailments in our family too? We can. So all of a sudden we can say, you know, gosh, you know, greed runs in my family. And so as we as we bring kids into this, am I spiritual, shall we say our spiritual genetics, um, am I passing this on? Do I have a spiritual gene of this particular sin? 
And do I pass this on to my family? We might. Why? Because we grew up in the same environment. And if I'm not fighting it, if I'm not praying to fight it, maybe it's going to afflict, uh, you know, if I'm not taking my spiritual medication uh, to make it better, is it going to afflict future generations? Or is this something that, yeah, you know, this is just kind of how we're afflicted spiritually. And this is the, the demon that afflicts our families. And it just happens to be that way. So just be aware of that because we're all going to be having the same temptation as we go down generations. That's, but that's possible. It, it can happen. You know, uh, Father Ripperger talked, I remember about this one case where uh, he said that there was abuse happening for all the females in that family and they would all be uh, somehow violated um, uh, throughout their lives. And he realized, well, there was some kind of a demon attached to that that was causing this genetic problem, spiritually genetic problem, I should say, um, down the line of the family. So it's important to be aware of that if we're going to treat the whole person. Does that mean that we jump to that conclusion every time and we say, oh, well, you know, chronic uh, high blood pressure runs in that family. There's a, a demon of high blood pressure. Not necessarily because God made us also uh, biological bodies and that's part of the deal, right? Sometimes we get a little cut on our hands and it's going to heal. That's the way our bodies work. High blood pressure can happen. Our bodies work that way. Any illness can happen. But it's important to be aware because we got to ask ourselves too, do we see this and do we see this also with sin attached? Was there somewhere along the lines of our families that there was sin attached to it? And it's causing this down the road. You know, our spiritual genetics is very important to uh, study. And that's why it's important to also know who our ancestors were and who our grandparents were. Um, in this particular case for this lady, I said, you know, it could be, I think, and you know, obviously we have to look at what's in front of us. We have to look at the reality of the situation. I don't know about the spiritual component yet, but let's look at the mental health component and the physical component. As far as their physical health, there didn't seem to be any major commonality, not contributory really, as we say, it, it didn't seem to be a big deal. Okay. So physically there was nothing going on. Mentally speaking, yes, obviously there was some very obvious mental illness that needed treatment that I couldn't say, you know, without looking at the spiritual realm, I couldn't say that it, that it didn't. I couldn't say that they weren't going to need a hospitalization at some point if they weren't on medication. It all depends on how bad the illness gets, the mental illness gets. And that's hard to predict, you know. All we do know is that if somebody does have something like schizoaffective disorder, you know, and it's not treated, the mind can go to some pretty scary places and start to believe some things that aren't real. I've seen patients start to believe that their neighbors are afflicting them. I've seen patients start to believe that, you know, the cops are after them. And all of a sudden it gets scary when they want to act on that because they really, really believe this is happening. They're going to go over to the neighbor's house and they're going to get mad at the neighbor and start yelling at them. That's going to draw some attention. It might bring the cops on. And if they're afraid of the cops, well, then they're going to start acting really funny when the cops show up. How do we handle this? How did, this, how did we handle this in this case? We'll find that out on the other side of the break. For everything that God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayers. Let me read that again. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. That's from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. Interesting Bible verse, because again, everything God created is good. We have this idea, you know, where we see illness and we feel that that's bad. Um, and there is an element of bad to it, but <clears throat> we got to remember if something is part of creation, there is a goodness to it because it comes from God, which means that 
God understands why it's there, and God is never going to let anything go to waste in terms of getting back to his glory and finding something good come out of it. Even if we see it as darkness, even if we see it as how can there be anything good from this, God is going to use everything, no matter how bad it seems, for his greater glory and for our greater good. There's no question about that. It's just that we don't always see that. I talked earlier in the show about, you know, we see these epic battles in movies where there's good versus evil, and there seems to be so much bad happening to the good people. And at the end, when we see the victory, nobody says, gosh, I wish that bad stuff wouldn't have happened to them. I wish they would have just had an easy path to that. That would have been a boring story, right? All of a sudden we see these, why do we love these epic movies where good uh, overcomes evil? Because it seems like, Good overcomes evil in the midst of nothing, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of, boy, they're going to lose. And all of a sudden, the slightest thing makes them victorious. And we see how that struggle meant something. And that's really what it came down to here for this patient. Um, God created everything good. We have to realize that. So we got to take a step back and change the way we think. You know, this is what we're going to talk about here. How am I supposed to be grateful in the midst of darkness, in the midst of what seems irredeemable? Well, I would say three things that we need to that we need to do, okay, in order for us to have true gratitude, even though it seems like things are, are are going poorly. The first thing is we have to be realistic about our situation. So, and by realistic, I mean just take a step back, look at what's going on, and realize, okay, this is what's happening right now. So, you know, my sons, people in my family, there's this illness that's happening. I can't deny that. This is just a fact of life. This is where we're at. And I'm not going to pretend that it's not there because a lot of times we fall into denial, right? When, when, uh, we, we can't be grateful because we feel like, nope, there should be something different. This isn't happening. I'm going to change this. No, we can't be in denial. We have to look at the situation for what it is and recognize, no, this is what's happening. This is what it is. And it's not good. You know, now granted, I said, God created everything good and we're going to get to that. That's where we're going to get the gratitude part. But the beginning part, we can say, yeah, this isn't good. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't seem good. I don't like it. And I'm angry at God. That's okay. We have to be realistic about that. We have to be realistic about our emotions. You know, like in relationships, if you see a husband and wife and they're arguing and one of them says, you know, no, I'm not angry at them. I'm not mad. And everybody on the outside is like, no, you're pretty mad. And they're like, no, 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 I'm not. It's just that they did this and I'm fine. And, and you know, it's their fault and, and they're wrong. And I'm going to wait for them to apologize to me. And I'm not going to do anything until they do. And I'm going to, you know, that's not very realistic. Everybody on the outside, this is where, you know, when you do couples counseling or marriage counseling, you see it and you realize, no, you're actually very angry, but you're just in denial right now. Whatever reason, your brain's not letting you see that. You're trying, your brain's trying to protect you. You're not ready to admit that to yourself. It might be too hard emotionally to admit that to yourself, but everybody can see that you're really upset and you might not be making a whole lot of sense. Um, but to yourself, you are. The sad part is, this is where it's not very realistic because, boy, that argument's never going to end. Uh, if you don't realize then say, yeah, no, I'm really angry at this person. Sometimes we see anger as a sign of weakness. And again, it's not a sign of weakness. It's just a sign that something is not right in our relationship and we got to work on something, whether it be, I got to work on my emotions and overcome my own pride, or I got to work on my emotions and, and not let that person walk all over me and, you know, get a little bit more of a spine, you know, whatever that is. And that's okay. We've all been there whatever that situation is, we have to be realistic. Okay. So in this case, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I don't understand why this is happening in my family, but this is what's going on. You know, my family suffers from this illness and this is what it is. The realistic part is also saying, could this be something spiritual? Perhaps there's, there's no question about that. Perhaps this is something spiritual. 
And I have to look into that realm a little bit. And maybe I know, I don't like that. I don't like the idea that, you know, my family has sinned, that, um, that there's a sin in my family. It almost feels very shameful. You know, if, if we find out that there is a generational sin in our family, um, what it is, regardless of what it is, one of the things that we have to do though is recognize it because then we can do something about it. We can't be in denial about our own spiritual weaknesses or, or our own spiritual temptations because in and of themselves, they're not sins. We just don't like to feel that there's a chink in our armor. We don't like to admit that there's weakness because this world tells us that we're supposed to be perfect and without weakness. We have to look at things. So number one, I would say to all of our listeners, one, look at things realistically. Let's look at the weaknesses that are happening in our lives, whether they be physical ailments, whether they be mental health ailments, or whether they be spiritual ailments that we're suffering from. Let's be realistic about it. Why? Because once we're realistic, then step number two is we have to look at the situation from a perspective where we don't have shame because of it, but, but where we respect it. And this is what I mean by that. So when we look at the situation realistically, this is what's happening. Step number two is we have to have respect for the situation, meaning that I respect the situation, not that I respect the fact, the temptation or that I'm going to go sin or that I'm going to say, yeah, this is good. So I'm going to accept it in that, in the fashion as, you know, this person has an illness, so they're not going to go to the doctor or anything like that because I accept it. No, what I'm saying is we have to look at it from a perspective where I'm not ashamed of it, um, but I respect it, meaning that. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to give it it's it's what's justice for it, shall we say. In other words, if I do suffer from um let's say high blood pressure, well, what did the doctor tell me that I have to do to to uh get it better? I'm going to respect that and I'm going to say I'm going to take my medication, I'm going to exercise or I'm going to do whatever the doctor told me. I'm going to respect the situation for what it is because it's kind of like saying, well, I'm going to go surfing, you know. If I'm going to go surfing, I have to respect the power of the ocean. Right, I can't go in there and say, "Well, you know, this wave is just too powerful. I can't overcome it." Or this, or that. no, I can challenge it. I can challenge the the wave, but I have to respect the fact that the ocean is very powerful. There's there's riptides, there's currents, there can be sharks out there. I have to be realistic about my, my environment because that's what's going to affect how I tackle my environment. Once I respect and I'm realistic about it, I can also look at the next step. Uh, so number four is I'm not alone in this one. When you're out there, I got to realize a lot of the shame sometimes comes from feeling alone. Like, oh, this is only affecting us. Everybody else is perfect. Everybody else's life is perfect. You know, if, you, if you're on social media, uh, which I don't do a whole lot of, actually, I don't really do any of, but when you're on social media, I see a lot of my patients suffer from depression from social media because they look at these snapshots of people's lives and they see these pictures that look perfect. You know, how many Christmas cards are out there now with, you know, everybody's dressed in their Christmas pajamas or their beautiful Christmas outfits. And, um, you know, they, they give you the snapshot and all of a sudden you feel like, oh my gosh, my holiday was awful. Or you look on a regular commercial for something. Gosh, it could be as simple, simple as a, a soft drink. And these people are all perfect out there and they're in the beach or they're drinking their soft drink and they look great. And it's like, well, I don't look that way when I'm drinking my soft drink. You know, we have to be realistic that other people's lives aren't perfect either. Um, and we're all suffering from something. So we're in this together. We have to have that perspective um, of realizing hey, we've all got something to overcome. So it's not like God is just raining badness on my life. Uh, no, it's part of being in this world. I don't think we're supposed to get comfortable in this world. And that's really what God's reminding us of. So remember, one, we've got to be realistic about it. Two, we have to respect the situation and realize this is where it's at. If I'm supposed to take medication, I'm supposed to take medication. If I'm being spiritually afflicted, I better... Uh, 
do what I got to do in terms of my prayers, my sacraments, and, and try to overcome these obstacles. And then number three, I got to recognize that I'm not alone in this boat. You know, this is happening to other people. Once I do that, then I can come to the final step. You know, if I can realize these three things, I can come to the final step. And the final step is recognizing that, remember, how do we know that we're not supposed to be comfortable in this world? Because we're all trying to reach a certain level of comfort. We're all trying to get, you know, to a, a better place here so we can be comfortable here. We're not supposed to be comfortable in this world. How do I know? Because when Christ came into this world, he wasn't comfortable. When God decided to become incarnate, God, who is God, who is who we want to be grateful to, he came into this world, he re, we, he realized, no, or he showed us, I should say, that no, we're not supposed to be comfortable. In fact, I'm coming here because I want to get you out of this world. I want to join my suffering to yours so that your suffering, that which you find to be difficult in this world, um, you can join to mine and now it has meaning. Now, if you join it to my suffering, I came here to suffer to show you that your suffering has meaning too. Join it to mine and now your suffering is going to have meaning. What does that mean? It means that I'm preparing you better for the next world. Don't get comfortable in this world. We call that redemptive suffering. That's the only way to find gratitude in this world because, again, it's easy if we say, oh, I find gratitude um, when the good things happen to me, so I'm very grateful. Nope, we got to find gratitude in the midst of suffering. I bet you Christ on the cross found some kind of gratitude. You know, he was. He, it wasn't like he was on the cross and he said, that's it, everybody's condemned. How do we know that? Because one, two, two things that I can think of. One, he asked, God to forgive us. He asked God of the Father. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do as he was being crucified. So one, he's already forgiven us from the cross there as he's being crucified. And two, what's this next thing that happened? He saved the good thief as we call him, right? So he saved um, St. Dismas. He saved him and he says, um, you know, you're going to be with me in paradise today. God was still forgiving from the cross. He was still showing us that he's saving us from the cross that's redemptive suffering. That's where our suffering, we join our suffering with Christ. And sometimes we have to say, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why this is happening in our life. I realize that this is not good. It doesn't feel good. Um, but you're going to bring some goodness out of this. This is where the gratitude comes in because then I got to take a step back and be realistic and say, well, this is happening in my life. But when, when how many times has God given me something good? Do I have something to eat? Do I have a roof over my head? Do I have a vehicle to get around in? Some people do, some people don't. But we got to find something else to be uh, grateful for. Even the smallest things, boy, I have clothing and other people don't. You know, my family suffers from mental illness. How am I supposed to find gratitude in that? Well, guess what? For now, I can take care of my sons. This is what we came down to. How do I find gratitude in this situation? Well, I feel grateful that I can take care of my sons. I feel grateful that I still have my mom and my sisters who come and help out. I feel grateful that I'm not alone in the suffering. And this is what Christ is showing us. We are not alone in our suffering. That's our gratitude. We got to be realistic about our situation. We have to look at the situation and realize that we are not alone in this situation. But more importantly, more than anything else, we have to unite to the sufferings of Christ because Christ's life was not perfect in this world. It was full of suffering and it was full of trying to find goodness in the midst of death. God came down here to save us, to heal us from the suffering that we're having. And hopefully, if we can find a little bit of gratitude, if we can thank God for the good things that are happening in our life, we're going to find some relief in those times where there are things that are negative in our life. Hopefully, we'll raise our place in heaven. And I ask you, as always, to pray for me so that I can find gratitude 
when I'm going through difficult times, and I'll do the same for you. As always, I want to thank our listeners for listening here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, where you get our Catholic talk all the time. Welcome to the clinic here. We're going to be back next week uh, with more interesting talks. If you want to get a hold of me, feel free to email me at doctor, that's dr.sandoval, vmpr at gmail.com. Always good to listen to your stories, and let me know if you want to hear any particular topic on the air. Until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, keep it Catholic.